Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones, it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss. The story behind the story of America's biggest winery, CX heroes who remain behind the scenes, and a lifetime warranty that over-delivered. Wines, horns, and suitcases. Oh my! Just because you have required elements of your business doesn't mean they need to be boring. It's time to get creative, have some fun, and make people sit up and take notice. Get your customers talking when you make the required remarkable. The story of Barefoot Wines is, in itself, remarkable. After all, the iconic brand began as a startup in the laundry room of a rented farmhouse, headed up by a couple with no money and no knowledge of the wine industry. Today, it is the number one wine brand in the United States by far with sales nearly 70% higher than the second highest grossing wine, according to Statista. But the story of the story of Barefoot Wines is even more remarkable. I'm sorry, Dan. Did you say the story of the story? I did, and I'm glad I have your attention as well as hopefully our listeners as well. You see, Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey, the founders of Barefoot Wines, published the New York Times bestselling business book, The Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand. And like many authors, they converted it to an audiobook. Unlike many authors, however, their audiobook features a full ensemble cast, including Hollywood legends Ed Asner and Gigi Perot, an original cinematic score, sound effects, and behind-the-scenes interviews with the authors. Now that sounds like a heck of an audiobook. Please, Dan, tell me you've got a sample to share with our listeners. I do, and it is indeed amazing. But first, I wanted our audience to hear from Michael Houlihan himself to better understand what they were trying to accomplish with this unique approach. So without further ado, here's Michael Houlihan, one of the co-founders of Barefoot Wines. Business audio theater is a new and unique concept. It takes the idea of an audiobook into three dimensions, not only narration, but actually actors acting out parts with sound effects and music. It distinguishes itself from standard business audiobooks because it is performed. It is not just narrated. And it's also a series of seminal events in the founder's history where the founder put the company together. The purpose is to give the listener more appreciation for the founder, the founder's challenges, and how the founder overcame those challenges with principles that can be applied in the business today. It can be used as a brand building tool, but probably more importantly, as an onboarding tool, especially in these days of coronavirus where people are working at home. 
How do you get people engaged? How do you get people to be loyal to your company? When people are working for a few dollars more for another company at just a click of an icon. We think the way to do that is through story. We think the best way to convey business principles is through acted out story. Like in a 1945 radio uh, theater where you have a hero, you have villains, uh, you have challenges, uh, you have actions, and you have outcomes. And just by witnessing this, you can draw out the conclusions. So you don't need to be lectured to. You don't have to know the three things you got to do, the five things to never do, and the 20 things your customer wants from you. You just have to listen and be entertained. We also like this new format because it's extremely mobile for a mobile generation. So that makes sense, right? It definitely does. I mean, there's a couple pieces of this that I absolutely love. One is that everything that is old is new again. You know, they talk about kind of that 1945 radio theater. And I remember as a kid not listening to the radio. I'm not quite that old, Dan. But uh, my dad telling me about this radio program from when he was a kid where they would say, the shadow knows. And it was kind of this thing. And you would sit around and you'd listen. And you they had music and action and sound effects. And I love that everything that is old is new again. I also like this idea of pushing up against the traditional approach to audiobooks. I know when I went in and had the pleasure of recording my audiobook, one of the things they were, <laughs> the producer who is lovely was on me about was like to tone it down a little, to not have it be so amped up and actory like. And there was a part of me, I'll be honest, that was a little disappointed because I was thinking, no, this is a chance to have an audio performance. It should be something exciting. It should be something interesting. And I love that the folks at Barefoot Wines are pushing this. Yeah, and it is a performance. I mean, I'm fairly new to listening to audiobooks. Uh, actually, it's only been this year that I started listening to them. Ooh, audiobook rookie. I like it. I can't, I can't brag that much. I've probably listened to audiobooks for the last three or four years. Not a super long time, but fairly recently as well. Yeah. And I find that, I mean, not surprisingly, my enjoyment of the audiobook has a ton to do with whether I like the person's voice. I find uh, that I like books that are read by the author more than I like books that are read by some voiceover artist. So I'm glad you did your own. In this particular case, though, it is all actors, but it's completely different because it's set up like a drama, like a story, even though it's a business book about how they turned this wine company into the number one wine brand in the US. So I agree with you. And the reason why we put this as a required remarkable segment is that a lot of authors look at creating an audiobook as a required part of the publishing process. And just because, uh, if I can quote our, our intro music, uh, Joey, where you say, just because it's required doesn't mean it has to be boring, <laughs> right? And I and, and was trying to do an audio effect. So thank you, Dan. Exactly. So, hey, listen, I know you've been waiting for this. Let's take a listen at an audio clip from The Barefoot Spirit. Remember, this is an audiobook, folks. Take a listen. Yeah, who do I am? What do you want? We bottled the wine and want you to see it. This is what you asked for. There aren't any leaps or hills or rivers. It's a label she can read from four feet away. 
The logo is the same as the name. It's in plain English and easy to pronounce. It's a name she'll remember and a logo she won't forget. So, Don, how many truckloads do you want? Are you crazy? I can't buy this. Nobody knows this brand. Nobody's ever seen or heard of Barefoot. It's everything you asked for. Yeah? So what? That doesn't matter. No one's going to buy something they never heard of. You got to advertise it. If you're willing to spend $1 million on TV ads, I'll buy it from you. We don't have that kind of advertising budget. Then you got to go make a name for yourself. You got to go sell it to every mom and pop store in every corner till everyone knows what Barefoot is. That'll take years. Well, Hulan, you better get started. Wow. So I, I want to know what happens, right? I mean, there's the music, there's the tension, there's the drama, you know, I, the whole thing just makes me interested. It engages me. And I think isn't at the end of the day, that's what every brand is trying to do. You're trying to engage your audience, whether that's listeners of an audiobook or people coming into your store or somebody coming to your e-commerce website. I think it speaks to, for lack of a better way of putting it, the brand spirit of Barefoot in that they would produce this type of audiobook. Now, you know, for what it's worth, Dan, you mentioned uh, before we played that segment that a lot of authors, you know, want to do their own audiobook. And I will tell you that it was not a foregone conclusion when we did my audiobook. I had to kind of push my agent hard to get me in uh, for the pitch, if you will, because it, it was almost like they had to consider me as the audiobook person, uh, as the narrator, because they have these professional narrators who, you know, are going to hit the mark every time and do a really good job. And I was explaining to them, but you don't understand. I'm a speaker and people will hear me speak and then they'll want to do the book. And so they'll want to hear the same person having the conversation. And yet, it was not a foregone conclusion. So I, I understand kind of the bridge between where we are now, which is mostly professional voiceover artists, and kind of where a lot of authors want to go narrating their own book. But the folks at Barefoot have kind of thrown the gauntlet down to take it to the next level and actually producing a radio drama that is a book. Yeah, and as Michael Houlihan said earlier on, they've created a company behind this, so they now help other authors do this, which I think is super cool. By the way, that scraggly voice of Don, which I just absolutely loved, was Ed Asner. And I, a guy, I recognized that voice, yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to. And then a guy named Matt Wineglass was the one who played Michael Houlihan. So they actually did not play themselves in, uh, in just like you know when they make a movie about you and me, Joey, I don't think we're going to be able to play ourselves. But I think it will probably be Brad Pitt that plays you. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, very, or, or very maybe kind. like a young DiCaprio, <laughs> like a young DiCaprio. Not that he isn't still young, but you know what I mean? You just, your time must stand. Your time oh, must. man, you're, you're, you're just too kind. I was more thinking Clooney, but it's okay. We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> I love it. So, hey, the next time that you think a certain part of your business has to be a certain way, just because everyone else has done it that way. Summon your inner barefoot spirit and see if just maybe there's a better way. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. So with everything going on, 
we haven't had as much sports in our lives. Uh, as I know this has been in your heart, Dan, hasn't it? It has. And so I, I found this article about sports, Joey, that I thought would be super fun for the, for our Let me show. guess. Is it about Chicago sports? It is, but it's not Wonder. about the Cubs. Oh my gosh. Hang on a second, ladies. I fall, ladies and gentlemen, I've fallen and I can't get up. It's We're going to talk about a sports team other than the Cubbies? We are. We're going to talk about the Blackhawks. Oh, well, there you go. Another well-loved Chicago institution. Exactly. So the article comes from the Chicago Tribune and it is called it's got a long headline. I got to warn you. The goal horn operator, the split the pot seller, the Zamboni driver meet eight behind the scenes people who make things go during Blackhawks games at the United Center. And it's written by Jimmy Greenfield of the Chicago Tribune. And I love this because here's how the article begins. It says the working people who make the United Center go night after night might not be as famous as the players. But they play a huge role in creating a memorable experience for the 21,000 plus people who attend games. Here's a look at the game day experience through the eyes of eight people whose work touches fans, but whom you might not necessarily see. And so they went through eight different employees of the Blackhawks or the stadium that literally helped to put on the show every night when the Blackhawks are playing. And some of these people, most of these people, nobody's ever seen before. Never, <laughs> never. In fact, it w it's almost as the case that you might see that a friend of yours from high school works. Like these are so far removed type thing, but really interesting stories. You know, one that the one that they start out with, uh, which I thought was really interesting, was the goal horn operator, right? So the person who plays the horn when a goal is scored. And they actually talk about the fact that it has a key system. Uh, it's like a big red button that says goal on it and almost like a nuclear codes kind of launch code key system where you have to turn the key and then press the button. And this guy takes his job really seriously, as rightly he should. And what I also thought was interesting about this position is not only is this individual the goal horn operator, but he is also the senior manager of game presentation. And Dan, I have to tell you, when I read the article and I saw that title, I thought to myself, why doesn't every business in the world have a manager of game presentation? Somebody whose responsibility is the look, the feel, the sights, the sounds of your brand experience. It's kind of like chief experience officer, but more tactical and more practical and more, hey, I want to be involved in every aspect of it. Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, when you think about a goal horn operator, right? You think, oh man, this must be an easy job. All you have to do is press the button. <laughs> right. No. It's like, what intern are we going to get to run right. this job tonight? No, but this is serious work. And as you say, it's not the only thing he does. The horn, I mean, for those of you that don't know at a hockey game, when, when a goal is scored, this horn goes off that is ear-piercingly loud and the crowd goes absolutely nuts and it's just become this thing in in the NHL and it is a ton of fun and and if you think about how detailed this person must be right they they got to be on time like exactly on time the, the horn can't go you know a minute after the goal the the horn can't go if the puck ends up not going in, right? I mean, he's got to be precise. And if he isn't, 
it ruins the experience. And and the and let's be candid, the sound, particularly at the United Center, is something that United Center is known for. Now I'll be honest in the interest of full disclosure, I have not had the chance to see either a Chicago Bulls or a Chicago Blackhawks game at the United Center. They both play there. But what's interesting is I know when they were building the United Center, they actually modeled the sound on the previous stadium because the previous stadium had been known for how loud it was. It was the loudest stadium in the NBA. And when they built the United Center, they didn't want to lose what they saw as a home court advantage. So they actually considered sound design in the architecture. So it's not surprising to me that the goal horn operator for the Blackhawks game is a very prominent and important position. Yeah. And not to belabor the point, I'm not a huge basketball or hockey fan, but I did have the opportunity to go see a Stanley Cup game of the Blackhawks. And and not only is live playoff hockey unbelievably fun, but I, it is the first time that I ever truly experienced the phrase sitting on the edge of your seat. I mean, the entire game, I was on the edge of my seat. It was that nerve wracking and exciting and like, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. And like, I mean, it was awesome. And then you score a goal and this horn goes off and everybody goes absolutely well, we can't say what they do bad. Bonkers. What. Bonkers. <laughs> Bonkers. That is what you're looking for. Yeah. Family-friendly I mean, work. And it is. It, it's a ton of fun. So uh, they interviewed, they, they showed some other people, particularly um, media-related people. There's the media relations manager who obviously handles all the press. There's the uh, producer who puts on the the TV at uh, NBC Sports Chicago. There's a team photographer. Uh, those the are all interesting. I gotta job. say, was a, was a neat one. Forgive me for interrupting, Dan. I like the team photographer because he talked about the responsibility he has to not only capture the moments for history and kind of for posterity's sake, but to also give the players their space. And that over time, he's kind of developed a dance, if you will, where he captures the moment, but he doesn't invade their space during the game, uh, which I just thought was a really interesting way to think about how are we capturing the moments that our customers have and that our employees have for our promotional items and for our website and brochure or whatever it may be in advertisements. And yet, how often are those totally staged? You know what I mean? I was working with a client the other day and they were asking me, Joey, if we were filming videos introducing our team members, would it be better to get a professional videographer in here to shoot the videos or would it be better to do kind of selfie videos? And on one hand, you might think that the professional videos would be better. But what's interesting is the research actually shows that the selfie video or something that's a little less produced feels more real. It feels more sincere and authentic. And I got the feeling that part of what the team photographer is trying to capture is that ineffable feeling of being in the stadium and actually participating in the game. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, and again, another role that is sort of unheralded, but the person who has the role takes it really seriously. It's a big responsibility. If he misses that shot, you know, it's lost to history. And so it is a really critical part of the experience. Uh, one that I w really wanted, was very interested in, was the scoreboard operator. And I've read about the, the, the guy that does the manual scoreboard at Wrigley Field, of course. At Chicago Stadium, this is 
a the scoreboard operator is not just controlling one scoreboard. I mean, there are screens inside the stadium, outside of the stadium. There's a ring that goes around the whole stadium that's got visuals and stuff. This guy has a team of 22 people that manage 24 different camera angles, all sorts of statistics. And this got me thinking about how businesses have so much data and so much numbers and statistics and customer information floating around and how delivering it in a way that is consumable and actionable is a big challenge. And in a, a huge game, challenge, of course, a huge challenge that most businesses fail miserably at probably because they don't actually have a scoreboard operator, right? They don't have somebody who leads a team of 22 people, as the Blackhawks do, to say, how can we take all these different data feeds we have and repackage them in a way that enhances the customer experience? Exactly, exactly. And that's why I thought that one was a a super interesting one. I love it. You know, another one I liked was the game presentation coordinator. Now, not to be confused with the senior manager of game presentation that we mentioned earlier, the Goalhorn operator, but the game presentation coordinator does everything involving logistics and the between the period entertainment. And when I read this one and, and folks keep in mind when, you know, part of the reason we're sharing this story is not to say, Oh, look, you should be more like a sports team, but to draw the analogy to what we could be doing in our business. The thing that stood out for me on this one was the between the period entertainment. Lots of businesses think about the key milestones with their customer. Let's say you have a retail store. It's when they come in to visit and then when they come in next time to visit. But what is the between the period entertainment? What's happening between those two interactions? Well, they're at home using your product. So what are you thinking about in terms of the unboxing experience? What are you doing in terms of thinking about the communications you have with the customer when they're not in front of you? And I think having someone coordinate the overall experience and all the moving pieces of the logistics is hugely valuable. I think often in organizations, it falls to the head of marketing or, you know, the head of ops or someone like that, who frankly has a bunch of other task that they're responsible for. And if there was one key takeaway, I think, from this entire article about the Blackhawks is that they have a lot of different roles that they are fully staffed on. Obviously, they are investing heavily in the customer experience based on the number of employees that they have that are contributing to the overall customer experience. Absolutely. And the uh, the article goes on to uh, share about two other roles, uh, one of which I think is you know, probably the coolest role you could have, which is the Zamboni driver. I mean, who's not wanted to drive the Zamboni and, and clean the ice at some point? Uh, and even down to the woman who sells the split the pot raffle tickets and has done so at both uh, Chicago Stadium and United Center for, I forget how many uh, years it was, but it was Over decades. 20 years. Yeah, 20 Over years. 20 years. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. Amazing. And so, again, I think that, you know, what was awesome, I obviously love the article just because I am a big sports fan. And as you mentioned, sports analogies go a long way in business. <laughs> they work usually very well. That's why we turn to them so often. In this particular case, though, I think this really is a business analogy. I mean, forget about the fact that, that there's a hockey game breaking out here. This is really about staging a performance. 
and staging an experience for the 21,000 fans that come in and the ones, the millions more that watch it on television. And it does require an army of people. And those people may have very specialized roles. But what's interesting is they all know their own role and how their role contributes to the larger experience. And again, if you try to bring this analogy back to the business world, we have a lot of players on our team too. We have a lot of people that work a lot of different roles. And some of them are right in front of the customer, like a customer service agent. And some of them never meet a customer, like say someone in the finance department. And yet, both of those jobs are critical to how the customer sees our brand. And Dan, I'll take it one step further. What is our opportunity as businesses to highlight these employees who never see the customers? I mean, had this article not been written, which surely the PR team at the Blackhawks was involved in helping get photo. And if you go to the article, friends, and you look at it, and we'll, we'll have a link over in the show notes, you can actually see the photos of the people who have these roles. Stop and think about what that does to employee morale. When that man or that woman can go back to their family and say, I was in the Tribune, like I'm the person who sells the split the pot raffle tickets, and I was featured in our city's biggest paper, and I had my photo. All too often, businesses, I think, polish who they put in front of their customers. Oh, well, we'll let you see the senior vice president of this or our spokesperson or the CEO or whatever it may be. Promote some of your less visible employees into the spotlight, and it creates an entirely different level of experience and depth for your customers. Oh, man, you will never believe the story that my cousin David shared with me about him trying to buy a kayak. <laughs> kayak? All right, I'll bite. What happened? Well, he purchases this kayak online. And then when he doesn't receive it after a few weeks, he makes some calls and he finds out that the company went out of business. <laughs> Wait a minute. Between the time he purchased the kayak online and when he called them, they went out of business? I mean, what happened? Did he ever get the kayak or did he get his money back? Or how did this story end? Hey, Dan, are, are you still there? How did, how did it end? This is the part where you kind of tell our listeners what happened next. Yeah, I'm still here, Joey. You see, I was playing a game with you called What Happened? It's part of the new series we're hosting with our friends at Avtex called Experience Points. Each contestant gets to see the first part of a real customer experience story and then must choose between four possible outcomes before they get to find out what actually happened. If they get it right on the first try, they get 500 points, which converts to a $500 donation to their favorite charity. And if they get it wrong, don't worry. They can use an extra life to try again. Ding, 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 ding. Extra life. I love extra life. And hopefully earn 250 points for a $250 donation. You know, Dan, this sounds fun. I feel like the surprise element works really well. You're not knowing whether the story has a happy ending or a sad ending, but what happened with your cousin David and the infamous kayak that never appeared? Well, Joey, you're just going to have to tune in to Experience Points to find out. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? 
All right. So I know it's been a while since we've been able to talk about anything travel related because let's face it, Joey, you and I have been grounded now for a little while. It's it's a little bit heartbreaking. I'm sure many of our listeners can relate to uh, living that lifestyle where they were flying or staying in hotels or renting cars or doing things. And uh, yeah, we've pretty much been uh, in the same room since this started. <laughs> yes. <laughs> entirely, but it feels like that sometimes. Well, I thought that I would bring back a travel story just for old time's sake. Oh, because thank I, you. Salvation. Let's, yeah, let's... I, I think it's relevant. I think it's useful. And it actually has to do with luggage. And I know that back in episode 89, you mentioned that you're a big fan of away bags. Um, yes, I am. I, uh, I'm actually a fan of a different brand, which is fine. We all have our, our tastes. I happen to love... Kenneth Cole. And I love their shoes. I love their clothing. And I love they, their they luggage. Make, they make some great clothing. I'll give you that. I, I must confess, I'm not entirely familiar with their luggage yet. I'm guessing that I might be about to become familiar with their luggage. Uh, but they they make quality clothing. So I, I would imagine they would make quality luggage. They, yeah, they make quality and they make quality shoes. Everything that I've actually ever purchased of theirs has been quality. So one of the reasons I bought their luggage was because of their name brand. So hey customer experience folks, <laughs> you can it build works. A, <laughs> it works. You can build a brand for yourself of quality and then you know people are gonna believe it when you go to a different product. So I bought this this luggage set of Kenneth Cole. I've always really liked it. It's just, you know, the wheels are smooth. It's uh, got lots of room. You know, it doesn't have a whole lot of uh, bells and whistles, but this always works. Yeah. Pomp and circumstance. The kind of stuff, you're just kind of a, a brass tacks kind of guy, Dan. You just want to get right to the functionality. I suppose, but they look nice. They're red. They're, they're very nice luggage. Anyway, the luggage came with a lifetime warranty. And like most products that come with a lifetime <laughs> warranty, I, I remember... Lifetime in quotes. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember taking the little like slip that says lifetime warranty and being like, oh, great. What the heck am I going to do with this? And I throw it in a... I literally have one filed folder of all of my lifetime warranties, right? It's, it's kind of like the junk drawer, but only for warranties, yeah, right? Like exactly. one area of your house where all the warranties, all the destruction manuals, as I used to call the instruction manuals, that's where all that paperwork. So I, I have a similar drawer in our house. All right. You know what I'm talking about. So uh, right before uh, the pandemic hit, my beloved Kenneth Cole, like overnight bag, the one that's like, it's on rollers, but it's like enough for two to three nights max. It cracked. It just, Ugh. it just big old crack in it. And like, you know, it just wasn't usable anymore. And I was so bummed because I loved this bag. And I don't know why, thank goodness, I remembered that Kenneth Cole had a lifetime <laughs> warranty. Said, Let me go to the drawer. Let me go to the file folder. I think I got a lifetime warranty. I did. Here. So I blew off an inch of dust <laughs> and I went to the to the file folder. And there was an email address. So I emailed them and I said, Hey, I have a problem. I uh, cracked one of the pieces of luggage and I understand you have a lifetime warranty. So they get back to me within a couple of hours. And they said, sure, well, no problem. Way, I'm already impressed. Yeah, it was very fast. Number one, I'm impressed that someone responded to the email. Number two, I'm impressed that it was within a few hours. Yeah, absolutely. And they basically said, all we need from you is a picture of the damage. I said, okay, sweet. Wait, no break. receipt. No, we're going to have to I didn't, send have, the, I didn't have the receipt. Of course you didn't have the receipt. You never have the receipt. No. Anyone who asked for the receipt... 
disconnects from the human experience of you never keep the receipt. Correct. Correct. In fact, I, I don't believe they even asked me where I purchased it. They just asked me for a picture of the damn. Send a photo. Send so us I, a little. Snap us a pic. So I sent the photo. I immediately got a response saying your replacement has been sent by UPS. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So a couple days later, I get a big box from UPS. And my daughter is the first to comment, Dad, that box is really big. I'm like, yeah, that is a huge box. Because wasn't this just like the overnighter bag? Yeah, it was. It was the smallest one. Like the the moving a body trunk, right? This was just the, hey, we've got this tiny little bag to, you know, jet yeah. set out to the beach for the weekend, you know, that kind of thing. Pretty much. So I look right. at this box, I'm like, whoa, this is a big box. There's been a mistake. <laughs> so I open up the box, and at first I actually thought, there was a mistake because inside the box was a large piece of luggage. Same style, same brand, but just way bigger. And I'm like, well, this is problematic because like, okay, if I want to take a whole family. Okay, this will be great. So I'm going on a vacation with you is what you're telling me. Fantastic. And I'm looking forward to it. I also noticed, however, that this large piece of luggage was really dang heavy. And one of the things I like about this luggage set is that it's really light. So I opened it up to see if they had put bricks in there, and I found another piece of luggage. Ooh, it was like nesting dolls luggage. It was the medium-sized <laughs> bag. Okay, okay, I bite. Uh, let me guess. Was and I, opened up, the, I opened up the medium-sized bag, and inside was the small traveler bag. They sent me an entire set of luggage, three pieces as a replacement. And they later told me in an email that the reason is they don't actually stock the one piece by itself. I guess I bought it as a set. Oh, interesting. So it's easier for them logistically to send all three. And it has the added benefit of creating an awesome surprise and delight moment for you, which, oh, let me guess, you might talk about on a certain podcast. I might. And just a quick question. Does anybody have a guess of where I will always buy my luggage for like the rest of my life? Forever. (laughs) Exactly. Forever. Out of curiosity, Dan, ballpark, how long did you own this luggage before it cracked? I would say it was uh, 10 years. Okay. Nine to 10 years. So stop and think about their decision to honor the warranty 10 years later. Now they have to have, you know, ideally they made money on the first sale. But when you think about this second replacement where they send you the whole kit and caboodle, chances are they're they might still have made a little money overall on your lifetime relationship, i.e. as it relates to the luggage, but they're getting close to losing out, save for the fact that you just said you'll never buy luggage anywhere else again. Well, and they probably know that if I'm like most people, I don't just have one piece of luggage. And sure enough, I've bought five or six pieces of their luggage, right? So they have made money on me. But I, I, you hit it on the head. I, I'm a customer experience guy. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's almost unfair with you and me, right? Because <laughs> it takes a lot to get your takes a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I was absolutely stunned. I'm, I'm hearing the story. This yeah, is really and I awesome. Was, 
I was obviously so appreciative and uh, and just felt such love for the brand, and um, and I, you know because I am who I am, I had to share it on social media and share it on my podcast. And I understand. Look, not every one of your customers is on social media, and they don't all have podcasts. In fact, most of them probably don't. But the point is. They all have family, they all have friends, they all have work colleagues. And these are the kinds of stories that people talk about. And when they talk about them, they talk about them with this love and passion for your brand. And that, as I like to tell people, is better than any marketing campaign you could ever come up with. And that's why I think it's so important. And I, I really applauded them for what they did. You know, when something goes wrong, as happens all the time with every brand. There is no brand that delivers a perfect experience every single time. And especially if you're selling something like luggage, which is designed to be beat around because of the way primarily it gets treated on airlines, but also the way most customers treat it, you know, kind of pulling it downstairs and throwing it in the back of another rental car and that kind of thing. To stand behind your product shows that Kenneth Cole is playing the long game. They're interested in having Dan Gingas as a customer for life more than they are interested in selling you one more suitcase. Exactly. So people, remember, it's okay if you lose money on a single customer, if that's what it takes to keep them happy and to get them telling their friends and family and podcast listeners about you. It is the long game that you have to play. Joey's exactly right. And I think so many times companies make the mistake of playing the short game. They focus on that single transaction. The finance department says, nope, you can't lose money on this. We're ha our hands are tied and we end up creating a terrible experience instead of one that is as memorable as this one. So great job, Kenneth Cole. Love you and we'll be a customer for life. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This! We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This. <laughs>